Hey guys, welcome back to the What's Inside the Box podcast. I'm your host, Craig Siegel, co-owner of Runners High here in Freehold, New Jersey. This week, we have a very special guest, and we don't want to waste too much time getting into our conversation with him. So this week on the show, we have Coach Bennett. Uh, he's the global head coach for Nike Running. You can find him on Instagram and threads at Coach Bennett and on X at Bennett Run. He helped pioneer and sculpt what is now the Nike Run Club, where on the NRC app, you'll find him coaching hundreds of thousands of athletes through their guided run programs, designed for any experience, level, and distance. As if that doesn't keep him busy enough, he is the host of his own weekly podcast, appropriately named Coach Bennett's Podcast, and can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Oh, and there's more. He also hosts the two Coach Bennett's Talking Podcasts alongside his wife, Tammy. And let's not forget about his Substack and weekly newsletter. So Chris and I sat down and we talked about everything running from the most memorable races that he's watched to his coaching style to his experience in high school and how much of an impression uh, youth running had left on him. And this one was awesome. We sat down for a great chat on New Year's Day. Um, so we got the year started off right. I hope you guys enjoy this one just as much as I did. Without further ado, Coach Bennett, Global Head Coach for Nike Running. All right, guys, so we're here with Coach Bennett. He is the Global Head Coach for Nike Running. Uh, Coach, thanks so much for giving us a bit of your time today and to sit in on episode number two of What's Inside the Box podcast here with us. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you as well. Um, so yeah, little cheers. What do you What do you got there? What are you going with? Adult beverages or adult sodas? Or no, it's uh, no? it's coffee. Actually, I'm going to go uh, the month of January without any adult sodas. So. Okay. Right. Yeah, I also forgot yeah. that it's 11 a.m. over there, but that's that's okay. That wouldn't have mattered. It's, <laughs> it's more wouldn't just giving you. it up for January. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I hit you up a few days uh, before Christmas, and your immediate response uh, to me was a, a text uh, that said that you're in, followed by an exclamation point, and to let me know how you could help. Um, and you know that really meant a lot. Um, you know your support for the sport and your um your passion for inclusion um is really second to none so we'll get talking about that um and you know but as we see here on new year's day um a day of celebration reflection and new beginnings um we'll talk about that a little bit later because i just listened to your uh your end of 2023 podcast and you have some interesting hot takes on resolutions so <laughs> we'll dip into that um but I do feel like we're in for a little bit of a long one here, which is great, um, you know, because I think you and I could talk about anything running New Jersey or Springsteen related. I'm not sure if you can actually see the uh, the poster behind me there. Um, but uh, we'll jump into the boss a little bit later. That's um, good. I, was, I, I almost wore my sweatshirt, and then I decided to go with the St. Leo's. I'm going to close the door because the dog yeah, just no, came you're good. in. So you're rather good. than hearing a dog basically tip-tap, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. All right, we're back. You're we're back. ready to rock. <laughs> there we go. 
All righty. So really excited to introduce you to uh, the Runner's High family. Um, and, you know, I know that most people already know about you because you're from the area. Um, but it's definitely going to be great to sit down and, and catch up with you. Um, so, I mean, you've really been so to, to jump right into it. So you've really been um, kind of everybody else's cheerleader, um, I would say. And, um, you know, you've coached hundreds of thousands of people through the Nike Run Club app, um, along with being a very accomplished coach, you know, right down the road here at CBA. But I do want to kind of re rewind a little bit and um, let's kind of bring it back to a little young Chris. Um, cause you know, you and I grew up in the same town, um, we're a couple of years What's apart. Home Dell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which did you know that on, um, the new Blink album, they reference Home Dell in the in second to last. So, um, there's a line, uh, in the second to last track. I don't recall the, uh, title off the top of my head. I'll have to look it up. Um, but there is a lyric that they needed to rhyme with um, hotel. Okay. And they came up with Homedale. Mm. And I'm assuming it's because of PNC. Um, I would guess, but yeah. It is called Other Side. And the lyric is... Where am I at here? So, where did you end up at the end of the night? How can I go back to Homedale? How can you leave without saying goodbye? I guess, how did you get back to the hotel? Where did you end up at the end of the night? How can I get back to Homedale? How about that? Mm, wow, there you go. Homedale is officially on the map for more than just the best 5K cross-country course in the world. That's great. Right, right. Yes, Blink is putting All us right. on the map. Um so yeah, so if uh, which where did you grow up in town? By the way, I never. I always just imagine you grew up on Long Street, but that could be a total figment yeah. of my imagination. Uh, close, close. Yeah. I think I'm about two miles from the front entrance of Homedale Park, so right on 520, okay. uh, right okay. before Homedale Road. So if you're if you're heading from let's say Lincroft to Homedale, mm -hmm. uh, about a quarter mile before you would make a right on Homedale Road. Okay. Uh, it's Rambling Brook Drive um, okay. in that development. So that was one of the first developments in that area. We moved there in uh, 1979. I'm sure everyone is super pumped about this geography lesson. Right. About the greater <laughs> For a town that they have no idea about. Homedale area. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, basically about two miles from Homedale Park's entrance. Nice. And it was all nice. farms when we moved in there. It was, it was, sure. Yeah. We had two, we had, uh, uh, Casolas was on one side. So it was a really, crazy place to grow up because it was just like cornfields all over the place yeah. now super developed and yeah you know um but uh but yeah like you said i'm sure people are 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 super excited Thrall. to hear about the uh the development of a small mm -hmm. town um yeah. but let's let's go back a little bit so how did you how'd you first get into running so i know that's a loaded question but let's uh let's roll uh, just playing <laughs> in the backyard i mean that yeah. i mean that was basically how it was i mean mo most of uh you know the nice thing about growing up in a development that's like not developed is just you're free to go wherever you want and mm -hmm. uh you know this was i think a slightly different time too so i spent an incredible amount of time outside and then i was uh, the fourth out of five kids mm -hmm. so if you wanted 
to be involved, you you had to move, you know, because it was just nonstop, whether we were on bikes or we were, you know, playing football or something, and you know, or just races. I mean, mm-hmm. you're a little kid, you know, running is a slightly different, um, you know, activity. It is play. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it is. It's we're going to race from here to there. We're going to race around the block. We're going to race around the house. And, you know, if somebody got, you know, like a parent's watch or something, you know, it was like, we're going to time, you know, so it was just, it was play. And, I mean, that was one aspect of it. So just mm-hmm. movement and running around was just always a part of it. And you, you didn't you didn't hate running when you mm-hmm. were a kid. I mean, it was a release, you know? I mean, the first thing, if you hang out at, like, a middle school or play, playground time, like lunchtime, the second mm-hmm. those doors open, boom, what are kids doing? Bust out. Sprinting out right. the doors. No one's like, oh, I got to, you know measure my you know steps or i gotta you know i don't want to run too much today it's just it was play you just ran and you Mm -hmm. until you were exhausted and it felt great and then i mean the other aspect is just especially in the shore the jersey shore like we are insanely blessed with uh like youth running Mm -hmm. it is accessible everywhere you know like every middle school has a track team most middle schools have a cross-country team there's unbelievable parks so it was always a viable option and when I was growing up, like in the fall, soccer wasn't that big of a deal yet. Mm-hmm. Everyone did cross country. You just did it. So yeah. it, it wasn't a peripheral sport. It was the sport you did in the fall. And then it was the same thing in the spring. Like everyone did track. They also played baseball or they played tennis or they played softball. But they also did track. Everyone just did it. So it was never like a secondary sport to me. Mm-hmm. And then the last part of the equation was it was on TV and mm-hmm. there were rock stars that ran and mm-hmm. it made the cover of Sports Illustrated and you knew who the best runners were. Mm-hmm. So like everyone knew who Carl Lewis was. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew who Joan Benoit was. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was one of those things that on the playground, it you know, that legitimizes what your success is in some ways mm-hmm. if the other kids know who the the rock stars in your sport are mm-hmm. so you know if you're like the best softball player or the best baseball player like you know people can think about like what that means and i think having these uh famous runners you know mm-hmm. that, that people knew about i think legitimize it so if you were fast or you could run for a long time it was respected and you know you felt kind of special which is really important to a little kid um the other thing was i I think which helped was i was never the fastest kid Mm. which i think is a a huge advantage in a lot of ways um Mm -hmm. so i the the guy who (laughs) sent me this shirt a couple (laughs) years ago was my classmate uh, all through middle school and all through high school um all through middle school he was the fastest kid Mm-hmm. So, um, and he really loved the sport. So I kind of I had someone who was just way, way, way better than me, which takes a lot of the focus off you. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people think it's an advantage. Like, oh, if you're the best kid at something like, yeah, but then the expectations are like, you're always the best. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to kind of enjoy the sport and have fun with the sport. And I never was expected to be the best. And you yeah. have a lot of room to have fun in there. So, I mean, that was kind of um, some of the ingredients, you know, like my, my yeah. older brother uh, mm-hmm. was, was very good. So I looked up to him. My sister was, you know, ran and enjoyed running. So I looked up to her, you know, my, mm-hmm. my dad would, 
watch the Melrose games when it was on. So, I mean, there's all these little things that you don't realize until, you know, years later that they all were seeds, you know, mm-hmm. that there wasn't like this one giant seed. It was just a whole bunch of just seeds thrown all over the place. And some of them spring up at certain times and some take a little bit longer and mm-hmm. seem like they're never going to kind of bring anything to fruition. And then they do. So I had a lot going for me in terms of the sport. I also did not and like but I also tried to quit the sport you mm. know 10 different mm-hmm. times in high school so sure you know well I was going to ask like what like at what point when was the turning point from like a competitive standpoint you know I mean I feel like for most most of us it was or you know for the majority of us it was probably like middle school elementary was just like hey let's just get out and run I mean I don't um I don't even really remember anything from middle school cross country or track and field. I remember doing it, but I don't remember like what I ran or anything. And then once you started to get like that first, like little bit of taste of success in high school, then it was like, okay, like this is, you know, quickly becoming my identity. You're seeing success and there's like time to start chasing that. Like, did you find it was around that time for you as well? Or I, I think I always loved racing. I just thought mm-hmm. it was fun, you know, and I, and I, no. like I said, I had the, the freedom to kind of race and have fun without a, you know, a, a number attached to it. You know, mm-hmm. like if I finished fifth or I finished ninth, like, well, I don't know. I mean, middle school, I don't sure. know what that means, no idea. You know, but it was, right, but exactly. I was, I was introduced to the sport where it was a team sport. So, mm-hmm. um, that made everything very, very different. Like you were competing and you were competing for a team. So it was, there was uh, uh, like, and I think that's how the sport should be introduced completely. Mm -hmm. I think it should be introduced as, as a form of play and a team sport. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always love racing. And in middle school, like we didn't do much at practice. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I will say this though, our coaches, treated the sport with respect so they didn't they didn't treat it like we're going to hate it if we run mm-hmm. which i think is also the the worst thing that you can do is like have kids show up and just be like we're not going to run today we're going to play crab soccer and eat oranges like the kids want right, to get right, better right. and they want to learn the sport you know it doesn't mean that they should be out there you know running too much and it should be too serious mm-hmm. but we had coaches that you know respected the sport and also knew we were little kids so mm-hmm. i got into it through the team aspect and i loved racing absolutely mm-hmm. loved racing i actually started to not enjoy the sport or at least i convinced myself i didn't enjoy the sport when i got to high school mm-hmm. because you had to consistently train mm-hmm. and that was new so i mm-hmm. loved the racing i didn't like the training but you get to a point where you you have to train or mm-hmm. you're just not going to improve and you're not going to improve in relation to the people around you like in middle mm-hmm. school i could wing it it's like, you know, you're not training very much in middle school, so it doesn't matter. You're just out there just, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in high school, I struggled because I was just a very lazy kid. I was mm-hmm. really lazy. Loved to compete, did not love to train. And yeah. that was difficult. So I tried to stop after a freshman year cross country. I tried to stop after freshman year indoor track. I tried to not come back sophomore year. Like, I kept trying to quit. Mm-hmm. And... I had convinced myself that I just hated running and it Mm. was because just that was a much easier excuse to have than I'm lazy. 
Mm-hmm. So it was like, I don't want to go out and run because I hate running. And it was really, no, you just, you're really lazy. And <laughs> I just, um, that would have, you know, 15, that's, mm-hmm. that's hard to come to terms with. So it was just way easier for me to just blame the sport. Mm-hmm. Running sucks. I hate running. It's stupid. I don't want to do mm-hmm. it because every day the alternative was being kind of ashamed that I didn't go out for a run. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, having to realize like you're, you're not running because you're just, this is a weakness. And I was like, no, no, mm-hmm. no screw that. I'm 15. There are no weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I just hate the sport. So it took some time. It was, it was, um, probably, uh, not until the end of sophomore year where finally, um, I realized, uh, that I was lying to myself and it really came from a conversation with my coach at the time. Yeah. I was um, going to say, was it, yeah. was there someone, a specific math teacher, uh, perhaps at yeah. the Academy that, um, that had a conversation yeah. with, or was I it never, just kind of time? I never or? had Mr. Heath for math. He taught, uh, <laughs> math that was ab- above and beyond what I could do. Right. But, yeah. But he was, um, uh, yeah, he, I always had a very, very interesting relationship with him. Even when I was, uh, coaching with him at CBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I think he understood that I was lazy and mm-hmm. he had a conversation where basically he came up to me. Uh, I, I, I vividly remember the conversation because he was, uh, he came straight up to me after practice and he was moving really quickly, which always scares you when he starts coming <laughs> at you very quickly. Right. And he just stopped like two feet from me and said like, you could be good. And I was like, Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right yeah right, right, and then right he saw from my face like i he just went no you could be good and i was like oh i heard you you know like i <laughs> yeah and then he literally just stared at me again he says no you could be good mm-hmm. and i was now i'm like confused i'm like i don't because he does this sometimes where he just mm-hmm. tries to like get in your head play and, you up or guess you up or something and or... i was like I, what are we doing here and he just kept saying it and literally like maybe like the 10th or 11th time I heard what he was saying and he was stressing could and not good. And I was hearing mm. good. Mm. And I suddenly realized what he was saying was like, I'm, I'm not right where I that could be. There's the be. potential, but yeah. yeah. And that's a mm. pregnant word. There's a lot of yeah. meaning in that, sure. you know, could, um, it didn't change anything overnight, but I mm. suddenly realized like, okay, like when I show up, mm-hmm. I gotta be all in. And I, I I'm not going to, give myself more credit than I deserve. Cause I don't deserve much credit here for my training. Cause like when we didn't have practice, I didn't run. Mm-hmm. But when we had practice, I was all in like there was yeah. I, like, it was one of those things where I was no longer going to screw around and pretend like this doesn't matter. I still hadn't worked out. How am I going to do stuff on my own? Mm-hmm. Cause if we didn't have practice, I didn't run like 99 mm-hmm. out of a hundred times I didn't run, but I practice like there was, there wasn't one teammate that could say, I, I think there was one practice I ever fell off, mm. like just ever. And I remember, um, I think I got I had gotten a cramp, and uh, this is like at the end of a, a, a longer recovery run, and the the guys in front of me finished, and one of my teammates told me afterwards. He said, "Where's Bennett? You know what was he doing?" And they said, "I he uh, he dropped off like uh, a, a thousand meters ago." And he's like, "Oh, is he is he being a wimp or something like that?" And, he's like, <laughs> and the kid said to him, "He goes." Uh, well, in four years, I think this is the first time he fell off. And mm. the coach was like, 
oh, you're right. So then he like drove his car out to get me. But like, I, I only bring up that story because that, to me, mm-hmm. later on, I realized that was actually what was most important to me was mm-hmm. I wanted my teammates and my coaches um, not not to respect me because of how I raced. It was because of how I trained. So it was like the, mm-hmm. the it was like a t- complete 180. And it took me mm-hmm. until the end of college because I was also in, I went to college and I kind of just became incredibly lazy again. So it was a constant mm-hmm. struggle for me. And I think running kind of one of the gifts it gives you is it it's constantly putting a spotlight on your weaknesses, mm-hmm. which I think is a great thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think you it'll, it'll shy expose away you real it. quick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why you do it is because you want to go out there and challenge yourself and say like, okay, I'm vulnerable. My arms are open. Mm-hmm. What can I, what should I work on? And that's one mm-hmm. of the luxuries of sports is you have the freedom to work on your weaknesses in an environment that's all about working on your weaknesses. It's tough. Like at work, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes yeah. in school to show that you have a weakness because you think, you know, people are going to take advantage of it. But like at practice, that's exactly why you're there. You're there mm-hmm. to find those weaknesses. So, um, yeah, it was that was a long answer to probably a very no, easy no, question. No. It's all good. Sorry. It's all good. I love. No, I love it. Um, you know, I think too. I mean, this kind of brings me to to my next like uh, note here. Is you know, I mean, we we alluded to Coach Heath. Um, you know, so Coach Bennett went to to Christian Brothers Academy. So for those listening that may not be familiar, it's one of the um, most successful cross-country track and field programs, uh, not only uh, in the history of New Jersey, but in the entire country. Um, so kind of right here in our backyard. Um, so just from your experiences from running there, uh, from coaching there for that period of time that you did, um, ultimately winning uh, an NXN title, you know, and that was 2011, is that correct, yeah. 2011? Um, you know, I mean, I, I know we all love it because we all grew up in the sport. But for you, like, what is it about, like, high school cross country that is so special? I mean, because it truly is one of those things that, like, if you don't do it, like, you don't understand it. You know, I mean, yeah. you may be able to understand it from from other sports. And, you know, if people have, you know, are good at other team sports and things like that. But cross, it's just like you're out there by yourself, but you're not. You yeah. Know, like, I, I think it, I, I think it, it, you have to be around it to understand it. You might not have mm-hmm. to race it, mm-hmm. but you have to be around it. It would be like, how do you describe what an orange tastes like to someone who's never right, had an right, orange? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, right. like you, you can't fully express it where they're like, Oh, I get it. Like, no, you, you won't get it mm-hmm. unless you taste it. It's, right. it's not a tangerine and it's mm-hmm. not a cherry. It's not a watermelon. <laughs> It's a freaking orange, you know, like, <laughs> and I think that's like how cross country is to me. There's a couple things. One cross country is my favorite like discipline of the sport. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I love it. You know, yeah. I don't care what the distance is, you know, mm-hmm. but I love cross country. Um, I, I love track and field as well. Mm-hmm. I just love cross country more. Um, but I think the high school level is, is my favorite still. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because of the athletes that are taking part in it, what they're going through those four years, 14 to 18, mm-hmm. I think are the most consequential years, um, of a person's life. I mean, I if agree. you look at what an eighth grader looks like mm-hmm. and you look at a senior in high school, I mean, it's just, and what they're going through emotionally mm-hmm. and mindfully and physically and hormonally and spiritually. I mean, like it's, it's everything. And mm-hmm. I also think it's, 
it's, um, I, I just, I mean, this is going to sound like overly cheesy, but I think it's just the purest mm-hmm. level. And, uh, there's something about high school, um, where it's, it's still just got its purity, you know, mm-hmm. like college mm-hmm. is really, I think for like, just to give me a little, uh, a little waiver here about college, it's really hard to run in college. Yes. And I think very much so. Yeah, and I think people lose sight of just how difficult that is and mm-hmm. how hard it is to put together a team that's good. And um, it's just, uh, there's so much going on. And, and, you know, so part of it is I feel bad for college because, I, you know, mm-hmm. having gone to CBA, I'm, you know, I've heard people, oh, well, what happened to this guy and that guy? And it's like, mm-hmm. do you have any idea that you can have an extraordinary college career? And finish twelfth at conference, and no one's mm-hmm. going to hear about that at home. 100%. It's not in the newspaper. Yep. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. You know, people aren't walking around being like, "Did you hear what Marcy did? She got twelfth right. at the whack." You know, three k. <laughs> right. And yep. guess what? That's bad. Hell of a run. Yeah. Yep. To be able to run at conference mm-hmm. is insane at mm-hmm. any level at any conference in college. But so I think there's. I'm just putting that. That to no, the side. I, so, I I agree a hundred percent in terms of that. Like I've always said, like you know, when we talk to kids and things like that at the store, and just kind of getting their feedback from races and stuff, like you could PR and you could be buried, just buried in a race in cross country. You could be, you know, if someone runs top one hundred at NCAA's, that is an unbelievable. Oh, run. that's crazy. Yeah, but totally crazy. But like you're saying, like there's 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 no fanfare about that there's not so 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 good yeah yeah so there's a there's a i mean loneliness is the wrong word but there there Mm -hmm. is an element of just um your success can be at times lonely compared to how it was in high school right sorry and i think in high school there's that aspect of just your community the hometowns Mm -hmm. your your schools um you know the people around you they 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 understand what's happening and that's Mm -hmm. why i always loved I think Jersey does a very good job. We can comment on what they don't do well in a little bit too, if you want to, but (laughs) um, the excitement around things like county championships and conference championships and sectionals and dual meets and all of these things. There's just, when you, when you put into context, how consequential this is for a 14 or 16 or 17 year old winning a dual meet and getting their name in this little box score or, Mm making an all-time list at their school or being top seven at the first team that made it to states or, I mean, there's something almost every day mm-hmm. when you're a coach or an athlete at that level that's, if not the top of the mountain, you're scaling a peak of some kind. And mm-hmm. to me, that's what was always so, just so exciting and great about it. And to this day, it's still it's still my favorite level. Having run yeah. it and coached it, I, I just, I don't, I think it's it's the best. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, speaking personally, like, definitely the most, like, formidable years. Um, I even, like, recently, like, my high school coach, he had posted something out. Um, I guess they hung up some banners in, in at Homedale that, uh, after, I guess, maybe 20-plus years of, like, state title stuff. So they he posted out a picture of it, and I, you know, I put a little comment there. I was like, you're still one of the most influential people on my life. Like I put him in there with my father and with, you know, my college coach, Marcus O'Sullivan. Like those are the three guys that I feel like have had the biggest impact on like the direction of my life. Like, 
Because I think in those years too, in high school, like you learned so much about yourself, regardless of, you know, if it's actually about running or not, but you know, running is really freaking hard and you can understand that you can do really hard things if it's, you know, uh, schoolwork or now as an adult, you know, uh, business and college and, you know, all sorts of stuff. So, but yeah, no, I, it's, uh, it's a very special sport and, and, yeah. you know, and you yeah. have, you have very few people in your life when you're that age, really at any age, but, mm-hmm. um, that you, um, will accept criticism from, and mm-hmm. will trust when they tell you you've done something great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 just as uncomfortable to get criticized sometimes as it is to get be told that you're extraordinary, mm-hmm. and you can run away from both. And it's both it's damaging in both ways. I mean, mm-hmm. now on the flip side, like you know, considering what you just mentioned about a coach, it also means that a coach can be just as damaging mm-hmm. to a young athlete. So it's there's an awesome responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you're coaching any athlete, but I don't know, I think especially younger athletes, like you just have to understand, like you have the potential to be one of the most consequential people in their lives one way or mm-hmm. another. So to me, it was always a very kind of sacred job to it still is to be a, to be a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that segues great into kind of my next, uh, my next note here. So while I was doing my, you know, we know each other, but I was still doing my, my homework, uh, doing my due diligence here. Um, I didn't realize how many like legends of the coaching world that you have had the opportunity to be coached by. Yeah. I mean, like we go down this, we go down this list. Like, so Schumacher at UNC Mm -hmm. when he was at UNC, Vinland Nana, Jeff Johnson, Gags, and Jack Daniels. Yeah, and before Jerry was uh, Joan Nesbitt Mabe at North Carolina, okay. who was a '96 10K Olympian. Yeah, so yeah. And then in high school, you had you know you had Heath, which yeah. you know legendary from high school. I mean, that to me is like the the 1927 Yankees. I mean, that's like a murderer's yeah. row. I was trying to think of like who's who's left off of that list from a legendary perspective. I mean, we could obviously debate that. Yeah. Um, a few, but, but from when I was running, not many. Yeah, but for, I mean, for you, like, how do you feel like like has there been anything that you've taken from any specific coach or anything like that that you now implement um, or has helped you like in your own coaching? You know, I mean, like you just said, like it's a very unique situation and it's a great opportunity to be a positive impact, um, on an individual. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a part of each of them in my coaching, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's even the stuff that I would say like, Oh, that's mostly me is, is not all me. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, I've been, I've, I mean, part of it is I've also been very lucky cause they were all different. Mm-hmm. And they all had some really, really extraordinary aspects to their coaching that I was mm-hmm. able to go like, ooh. And mm. I think when you like have kind of bits and pieces. Yeah. So I think when you yeah. have great coaching, um, it always fits. Like, it's not like you're, you know, if, if somebody does something great, okay, and they mm-hmm. do it the right way, then it should be able to work with any other great coaching that fits. I mean, that it should fit with any other great coaching that is really great and Mm -hmm. is done the right way. I don't, I don't think you're ever going to have like two things that are like, "Mm, well, if you do this, you can't do this. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think you can always meld these things together. So, yeah, I mean, the other part was the luxury of having so many really, really good coaches mm-hmm. um, is also understanding there's a lot of different ways of doing it, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. that allowed me to have uh, the flexibility to not get locked into, well, this year we're going to do this and next year we're going to do what we did last year, which a lot mm-hmm. of coaches do, especially mm-hmm. if what worked, you know, last year you know, it suddenly becomes like, well, it should work again this year. And I, I just never believed that. I think you have a foundation of things, but it should, it should always be different because you have different athletes and even mm-hmm. the same athletes are different athletes year to year. So yeah, it was very lucky. The, I mean, and the other thing is, which is kind of, um, odd is that I also realized that a lot of, um, my lack of success um, came from me. Mm. So I had these great coaches and, um, I can look at all of them and say like, I don't know if I did everything I should have done. Um, and you know, keep in mind, like not every coach is perfect. There are no perfect coaches, Mm -hmm. but, um, you suddenly realize like, you know, there were certain things that I think, um, would have helped me that maybe I didn't take advantage of um, that needed to come from me. So like, for instance, I, I probably should have told certain coaches like, um, I'm having a hard time. Um, I'm making up, getting my long runs in. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I needed enough. Um, I needed to be comfortable enough to admit certain things I was having a struggle with, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I'm just having a hard time. And then mm-hmm. maybe the coaches could have said like, all right, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, um, we're going to have Jimmy pick you up on the way to the long runs every Saturday, mm-hmm. because if it's up to you, you're not going to show up like, and right, you know what, accountability that's, that, kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, and it mm-hmm. sucks for me. Like that's, I'm not pulling my weight, but not everyone is pulling their weight at all times. So that was a huge mm-hmm. lesson actually using me as the example of like the weak athlete. Like how can I help other athletes get to where they need to be if they're not capable right now mm-hmm. of getting to where they need to be? There are some coaches that are like, if you're not going to do it, forget it. Like I'm not helping you. I'm going to give you the workout. Like screw you. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're there to serve the athlete. <laughs> sure. Like, you're not, you're not there to make an example of them. Mm-hmm. So it was, I mean, if you go back, like, um, speaking of Homedale and Homedale High School, <laughs> the, the summer long run started um, yeah. because I, I knew I didn't do long runs in the summer as a high school mm-hmm. athlete. So I was like, I really want these kids to get their long runs in. So I was like, mm-hmm. what if I brought them food and music? Yeah, and the watermelon is it. always a hit. Yeah. And the speaker so, on wheels was great. Amen. So it worked <laughs> out that way where suddenly it was like, okay, like, but what would make it more fun? It would make it more fun if it wasn't just them. So that's when, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, hey, McCafferty, you think like your, your guys would want to do this too. And then next yeah. thing you know, kind of like, this is working. Let's say, but I knew that if it was like, it's very easy to say, go run for 60 minutes or 80 minutes on a Saturday mm-hmm. or a Sunday. And I know that guess what? If they really care, if it really matters to them, they should do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah but it doesn't change the fact that you're 16. It's really hard. Right. And you've got other things in your life and you're not just a runner. So what Mm -hmm. can I do to make it easier? Well, I can get everybody together. And what happened was that a lot of times when you do this, you, you one, 
you, you help the kid, you mm-hmm. help the team, and then you discover other things like, wow, there's a huge community of people that would take advantage of this. Mm-hmm. And it just, these are the types of things where as a coach, I was like, I'm always looking for ways to help the athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't do the run for them, but I can help set the run up better for them mm-hmm. or I can give them opportunities or starting lines or chances to do it. And that, that came from working with these unbelievable coaches where I realized I should have run faster mm-hmm. in my career running competitively. I should have run faster. Why didn't I? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I, I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to blame the coaches. Um, but I will blame myself for not taking advantage of the coaches. And I bet if I had mm-hmm. asked them, they would have helped. None of the sure. coaches would have turned yeah. me down. Right. They would have stepped in and yeah. To, now, yeah. how do you help me? Who's not going to ask for help? Right. Well, then I right. look for the kids who need help mm-hmm. and I don't make them ask for help. I just help them. Right. And then along the way I teach them like, Hey, guess what? If you had asked, we could have done this earlier because there mm-hmm. should be a lesson there. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, again, yeah. I don't even know if you asked a question. I just rambled for like 10 minutes. No, oh, it's, it's about all the good. coaches. It's all good. It's all good. This is what it's about. Um, so I actually threw in a little fun, fun little uh, brief pause from running stuff. Okay. Um, so you want to do a little bit of Bruce trivia? Oh geez, yes. Let's do it. It's funny because I, I have he's in the background right now. Yeah. Um, Letters to you is 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 paused on my playlist. So okay. All right. This okay. I mean, let's see. Knowing knowing you, these don't are gonna shame be, me. No, no, no. These know, are, <laughs> it's a back ended compliment. Uh, knowing you, these are gonna be meatballs. Uh, to be honest with you. Um. Uh, so I got maybe yeah maybe like eight questions here for you. Oof. Um. What was the first Springsteen LP? First album. Greetings from Asbury Park? Yes, sir. Yep. Yes. All right. So we're one for one. Uh, what did Adam raise in one of Springsteen's songs? A cane. Come yes. On. Two for two. I know. These are a little, you know. No, thank you. Are, because this is yeah. like, t- this is terrifying to me because I, well, I held a if secret. If you identify had, as, yeah. as a, you know, as a Springsteen. Know. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Or you, like, you, held a, you held a secret on... Uh, I held a secret that I, I had not seen Bruce with the E Street Band until last February. So I, I just would not bring it up. Like when people were right. like, what was your favorite show? I'm like, do you need anything from the fridge? Like right. I just I just Because well, people terrified. are like... I mean, there, there's people that are like, it's like 200 plus shows like in their yeah. lifetime. It's I crazy. think I lied to get my driver's license because they were like, right. which show did you see? And I was like, uh, Giant Stadium, 88, right. uh, Tunnel of Love Tour. They're like, okay. Right. And like, I think that was, you had to answer that to get a license back in the early 90s. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, at all the right. DMV question Jersey. three. Yep. Question three. All right. Um, what Springsteen song has the highway jammed with broken heroes? Oh, on a, a last... Last chance power drive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Born to run. Yes, sir. Three for Come three. On. All right. Uh, who had a number one hit with the Springsteen song Blinded by the Light? Oh, God. Um, I hate them so much because yep, they changed so one lyric. Um, yes, they did. And it got it, awkward when they changed that lyric. Yeah, they did. We, won't, um, we might get the explicit uh, tag well, on We the, can tell everybody. Wrap, wrapped up. <laughs> It should be wrapped up like a deuce. That's all we're yes, going to say. Correct. Um, correct. Oh man, this is terrible. There's alliteration in the name. Yeah. Well, I give me a clue. It starts with an M. Oh man. 
I should know this. I feel terrible not knowing it. But actually, I don't feel terrible not knowing it. No, because um, they sucked. They yeah, sucked. No, I don't care. Um, Who is it? Manfred Mann. That's right. Yeah. yeah Awful. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, and it, and they, it sounds ripped up like a fusion. <laughs> oh, God. Terrible. <laughs> so bad. Um, so Springsteen sings about having a wife and kids in what town uh, in the song Hungry Heart? Baltimore. Yes, sir. Uh, and that makes uh, what four? Four of five. Four of five. Uh, mm. In the Dancing 80. in the Dark. In the Dancing in the Dark video, who does uh, Bruce take Cox. on stage? Don't yes. even. I mean, yeah, stop I it. I know. Just I know. I know. I know. I didn't. Stop you know, the thing. <laughs> That's good. I appreciate a couple uh, of. It's boosting my GPA right now. Yeah. Um, so last one. Uh, so fill in the blank. Uh, I'm blank years burning down the road, nowhere to run, ain't got nowhere to go. Well, I mean, this is a trick question because um, he sings it a couple of different ways now, but it's 30, mm. but he, mm. he sings it live. He changes it to his age. So, mm. Okay. All right. Is it 30? It is 30. Yeah. 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 In the original. Uh, in the original. Yes. Yeah. Now I don't know what he does. But he he'll say 70 or, you know, depend right. because of his age, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> So, uh, all right. right. Well, Oof, let uh, man, yeah, you sweat. I know. Put you on the hot seat a little bit there. So, um, so let's kind of jump back in a little bit to your role now um, with with Nike as the um, you know global head coach. Um, so, one, what exactly does that mean? Because it's a very broad. I don't. Know. I, don't <laughs> I feel I like you're know. doing everything, and it's awesome. Um, I do know. You know, I think actually, you know, you mentioned those long runs earlier, and I and I remember at the time you were doing a lot of runs in the city for Nike at that time, if I'm not mistaken, right? You were basically mm-hmm. like living on the train, so it yeah. started as like a pilot program at the time. That was like what, like 2012, 2013? 14. If I'm not was it 14? 14. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how did you get involved? And in, you know, to obviously it's. You know, I don't want to glaze over 10 years worth of stuff, but, um, you know, how did you get involved with Nike there and then kind of evolve it into kind of this overarching global head coach position for yourself? Well, it, I mean, it, it kind of started um, as my wife, Tammy, and I, we were, um, when we came back to New Jersey in 2007, mm-hmm. um, we had this uh, kind of, a little cheeky goal but we said we wanted uh eugene to be known as the jersey shore of running mm-hmm. so that was kind of our goal when we came back we we're like we're just gonna we're going to tear up the sport of running in mm-hmm. in the jersey shore so mm-hmm. um we you know part of that was um coming back and you know trying to help make cba better than they ever were before mm-hmm. um which was no small feat because they sure. had unbelievable success. Um, but at the time it was actually really great because there were a couple of programs that actually were beating up on them. Mm-hmm. So Bosco was beating up on them. West Windsor North was beating up on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was actually kind of fun. Haddonfield was running really well. There were a whole bunch of uh, teams that like, so it wasn't, they weren't in the lead. They were actually getting beat up. So that was mm-hmm. kind of fun. Like, okay, we're going to, we're going to come back and we're going to be nasty when we do. And then mm-hmm. there was, okay, let's, it's kind of reinvigorate the camps that we run. So we took over the camps and um, 
the track and field day camps, the cross country day camps. And then we took over the sleepaway camp and we're like, we're going to mm-hmm. make the sleepaway camp, like the biggest camp in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. And we said, let's also put on some races. And so we were like, we're going to have a Halloween run. And so we had like the wicked pumpkin run. And then we said, you know mm-hmm. what we should do? We should have community workouts. So we started doing Tuesday night workouts at the track. We said, you know what's cool about the mile? Everyone can be a sub something. So we started putting on the twilight miles a couple mm-hmm. times um, in the summer. And we said, let's have like outdoor movies too. So we put out like without limits on like a blow up. Like, And then we did the long runs. We started getting 300 people coming to the long runs. And through all of this, eventually, you know, word kind of gets around. Like something's happening because then the something's team starts to run really well, mm-hmm. you know. And... You know, so Nike started saying, like, well, could we come and visit the camp? Because the camp went from, like, 65 kids to 240 kids eventually. Oh, wow. So it was like, yeah. can we come up? And I'm like, why wouldn't I let you come up? Like, you want to mm-hmm. give some shoelaces out? Kids love shoelaces. Right. I don't know why you're... But, <laughs> and stickers. Kids love stickers, too. Yeah. And yeah. I was asking <laughs> friends and people, like, to come and help out at things. So I was asking... Um, like former teammates, like John mm-hmm. Riley, who was on the Olympic team in 2004, and Jason Rexing, who was a 10-time Big East champion, to come and speak at events. And Jeff Johnson, who you know was employee number one at Nike, mm-hmm. and came up with the name Nike. Can you come up at camp and speak to everyone? And he came up and gave this like unbelievable 90-minute talk about Prefontaine with his own pictures that many people had never seen before. And That's wild. You know, so all of this stuff was happening, and then Nike was like, hey, could you come and like MC? Uh, one of the events we're putting on a pen relays. And I was like, as long as it's not screwing up the DMR that we're the running, DM, sure. right, for the boys, yeah. Like yeah, sure. yeah. You're, you're here. <laughs> right. My team is like way above anything you're doing. So I did that, and that was a lot of fun. And then it, they started asking a couple other things. Like, could you come up? Like, I think it was for the 10-year 10, anniversary of the uh, Nike Free. Mm. Um, they had called, and they said, we want to do something at the Fifth Avenue store um, the problem is because of the weather, it would have to be on treadmills and treadmills aren't fun. I'm like, treadmills are fun. And they're like, well, no, mm-hmm. we, we want to like r- do a run on treadmills and nobody likes running on a treadmill. I'm like, because most people run really boring on a treadmill. And they're like, well, could you put together a workout on a treadmill? I'm like, yeah, I could put together a fun workout on a treadmill. So they put together like these 14 treadmills right as you walked into the fifth Avenue store mm-hmm. and I had to lead this workout in front of people, you know, playing with the elevation and the speeds and, you know, straddling it sometimes to recover and just having some fun. And that went on for like 10 weeks and they had signups oh, for wow. it. It was kind of crazy. And so then a year later, they're like, would you do that again? I said, okay. And then they just started asking for more things. So then one day mm-hmm. I, they asked me to go up there in the spring of 2014 and they said they've got people meeting at the stores that go for runs. And they said, "There's, there's, they, what would you do with them?" Mm-hmm. I said, "What do you mean?" They're like, "Well, they, they just they come, they gather, and they go for a run. What, what would you do if you got to work with them?" So I said, "Oh, well," and I, I like had uh, a white legal pad, and I wrote out like, "Well, you know, I, I, it would be a, a schedule of seven days, and this is what we would do. We'd have recovery runs here on Tuesday. We would do a speed workout on uh, Thursday. We'd do a tempo run of sorts, or long intervals, or something like that. And on Saturday, we'd have a long run and." And they're like, whoa, 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 like they're not elite athletes. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but I would treat them like they were. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's just the, the, all, what you're talking about is respect. Mm-hmm. You know, like if someone shows up, I'm going to treat you like you're an elite athlete. Why would I treat you any differently as if, if you're running for your first time or you're trying to make the Olympic marathon? Like, how does mm-hmm. that change the way I'm going to treat you? 
And you don't have to show up every single day. You can drop in or you could show up every day. It doesn't matter. Like I'm, mm-hmm. it, it, The only thing I got to do is find out where you are in your fitness right now. Make sure you're with the right fitness group. So you're running mm-hmm. with people that are equal or mm-hmm. around you. And we're off and running. We're going to have a good time. And mm-hmm. if you want to show up every Tuesday or two days a week or three days a week or you know, whenever you drop in, I'll take care of you. I'll put you in the right place and we'll adjust as needed and we're going to have a lot of fun. But you're going to leave a better athlete in like 10 different ways. Mm-hmm. You're going to be smarter, more confident, more excited. You're going to love it more. So you need me less and less every time you meet with me. And I went through this like whole thing. And I think they were like, mm. what in the world? <laughs> so then they said, well, would you do this? And I was like, I mm-hmm. just went through the whole thing. Like, right. yes, that's I, what I, I would do. You, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, no, would you do this? And I was like, oh, right. you're asking me. If like, I'll do this. And it's funny. I just said, there's a couple of things that are really important to me, like as a coach. And mm-hmm. I wrote them out and I said, if you ever ask me to go against these things, I'm not going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was things like, you know, respect the run. Don't fear it. Every run has a purpose. We are all meant to be runners, you know, to, mm-hmm. to be a great runner. You need to be a great athlete, measure success as many ways as you can you know, we'll believe in you even if you don't, you know, like I was like, this is it. This is like what I stand mm-hmm. for. And they said, okay. And I, it was the hardest decision I made, um, professionally because I, I, mm-hmm. I the greatest job in the world is coaching high school cross country and track mm-hmm. and field. The thing that was interesting to me was at that point, the elite running world in the U S was turning a corner and getting really good. Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. were no longer just like excited that we had athletes making a final, you right. know, yeah. and knowing they were going to mm-hmm. be dead last. Now it was, Ooh, we might There's be some there medals to, be to had go and, and there may mm-hmm. be some medals in our future. And then at mm-hmm. the youth level and the high school level, everything had changed. So mm-hmm. having indoor nationals, outdoor nationals, NXN, like die stat and runner space and mile split, mm-hmm. all, all of, like, it had never been healthier. You know, the mm-hmm. sport, like, and I always say, like, when you show up at a meet now compared to when I was running, mm-hmm. like, these are, when I was running, you know, and some of it was, I think, we were being self-deprecating or other people because the sport was on the periphery at the time would look and be like, oh, these are the kids who couldn't make other teams, which was mm-hmm. BS. Mm-hmm. Um, but. That's how I started. Go to, I got, I got, I dropped soccer and I was afraid of the baseball. And so sure, sort of and that's yeah, yeah. But it, 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 but it's also kind of insulting to the sport. Mm-hmm. If Definitely. you go now, like if you look at it, like it, it's you're seeing kids that are leaving other sports because they would rather mm-hmm. run cross or track and field, mm-hmm. which is unbelievably healthy for the sport. Where people are like, mm-hmm. well, I could do lacrosse, but I want to run the half and the mile, or mm-hmm. you know, I could play football, but. Like I could be one of the state's best 400 meter runners. Like, like, and you're mm-hmm. seeing these people make these decisions, which is great. And I thought, you know, that's half a percent up here and half a percent up here. Like, what about the 99 percent in the middle mm-hmm. who yep. are getting told the wrong things? Who, who? We are the only sport that people take part in it and feel like they're apart from it. Like they, like mm-hmm. we're the only sport mm-hmm. where people say, I'm not a runner. And you're like, you've run mm-hmm. six half marathons. What are you talking about? You're a runner. About? Yes. Yep. Like, oh yeah. We get so, it all the time in the shop. They come in and people come in and it's, I'm yeah. not a runner, but I run three or four times a week, three miles to five miles at a time. It's like, mm, you're a runner. You're a runner. Like, I hate to break runner. it to you. Like, yeah. like, and a lot of yeah. them, I, I, so I thought there's so much wrong with the sport. 
so much mm-hmm. wrong with them. Like, what if, what if I could do something? Which is a little sure. egotistical. Um, but I think it was it was less. E- well, maybe it was a lot of ego. To ego, but it was also really <laughs> optimistic and hopeful. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. maybe, I, like I'll gonna work really, 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 really hard. And um, that was kind of the 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 inspiration to do it was mm-hmm. what if what if I could treat that person who comes into the store and says, I'm not a runner. Mm-hmm. Like the kid who showed up at practice on day one, it was like, I've never run before. I'm not a real runner. Mm-hmm. Cause I know that if I can get you for a couple years, you're, you're going to be and feel like a rock star. Like I, right. I like, I like right. that was give me two years, man. Just give me two years and I will have you ready mm-hmm. to run through a wall. Because I'm right, going to get you right, to fall right. in love with the sport, and I'm going to get you to right. fall in love with your team. If I can just do mm-hmm. those two things, the training like for, uh, training is inconsequential. If the yep. kid yeah. does not love the sport and love their teammates, I don't, I don't care what kind of a coach you are. Mm-hmm. Coaches usually have it backwards. Like, we're going to do all this training. It was like, no, no, no. Get them to fall in love with the sport. Get them mm-hmm. to care about the team more than themselves mm-hmm. because the team will care about them more than they could mm-hmm. ever care about themselves. Then you've got everything because a kid will quit on themselves way before they quit on their team. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you can get that and then you're going to have a whole team who loves each other and now this is a safe haven and a tough four years where every day they go to practice and they're like, I can be who I am. I'm completely safe and mm-hmm. I have room to grow. Oh yeah. Now we're, we are going to tear shit up right. in life. <laughs> like this is where it's yep. at. You yep. have a hard day. You come here. You have a great day. Mm-hmm. We'll celebrate it with you. Like that's that's the ingredients. And I'm like, what if, what if you could give adults that? Because adults don't have mm-hmm. access to that. Kids mm-hmm. have more access to it than adults. Kids have yeah. teams they oh, can yeah. join. They have theater groups they can do. They can be in a band. You know, there's 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 avenues. Adults mm-hmm. they lose it. It's gone. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. you go to work, you come home. No one says you could be better. No one says I believe in you. No one says mm-hmm. it was a great job and means it. No one asks how you're doing and actually wants to hear the answer. Right. No one cares how the uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's, it's just it's a formality. Just how are you doing? I'm yeah. good. How are you good? And then you leave. Yeah. Right. But at practice, <laughs> when someone asks mm-hmm. how you're doing, they need to know because the entire structure of the practice is based on how are you really doing. You mm-hmm. broke up with your boyfriend. Okay, mm-hmm. listen, it's no, we're not doing the workout today. We're not. Mm-hmm. You're going for a run on your right. own. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's no, listen, what matters is you take some time alone. You're fine. You're going to be fine. Like mm-hmm. someone actually is listening to you and cares. And afterwards, right. let's talk. Okay, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be fine. You know, like that, where do you get that kind of support? So like that was kind of like, I thought, what what if... We, what if I did this the right way mm-hmm. and I didn't coach and lead with numbers and I didn't coach and lead with fartlek and tempo. There was mm-hmm. a lesson to everything. There was, there was a purpose to everything, which is what you're doing when you're coaching kids. So I just decided, what if I coached adults like they were 16 and that's mm-hmm. all I've done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I feel like it, it, um, you know, you kind of listed out the, the, the Bennett commandments. Uh, I would say, uh, that's what you, you know, you call them uh call them that you can take that if you want uh but one quote that popped up and that uh i've heard you say it or reiterate it and um but it's a bowerman quote you know um that if you have a body you're an athlete and i feel like you like really truly personify that because i feel like um 
running can be super intimidating. And I think that that's why some people, they don't want to identify as a runner because they think in order to, to walk into a running store or to be considered a runner, they have to run half marathons. They have to do, you know, certain things or run certain times or, um, people that all the time that are they say oh i'm i'm not i'm too slow for that or i'm not as serious as that to wear this certain color or things like that and it's like that has nothing to do with it you know yeah. uh, like if you're if you're uh, you know if you have a body like you're an athlete and you can run and you're a runner um but yeah, yeah no, a lot i just of had a note there and i was like yep. yeah mm-hmm. y- you got to get over yourself um, i think that's that's and a lot of times you need you need someone to give you the excuse i mean that's that's mm-hmm. the um the the luxury I have is whether it's deserve it or not is the title coach next to my name. Mm-hmm. So I get to tell people what they need to hear and they'll take mm-hmm. it. If mm-hmm. I'm just Chris and I say right. it, I'm just being a jerk or I'm full of crap. Right. <laughs> and when I'm when I'm coach, yeah. And I say, get over yourself. Like and I get mm-hmm. to tell them on runs, like, listen, I'm a dork. So if you open up, I think one of the best assistant coaches in the world is the dictionary. If you open up the dictionary and you look up running, mm-hmm. it says the activity of a runner. Mm-hmm. So if you go for a run, you are by definition a runner. Mm-hmm. So stop. Right, Just right, stop right. It. Yeah. yeah. And when people come up and you know say things like, well, I'm really slow. And I'm like, well, that... That means to me, what I hear is that you're also fast because slow can only be in comparison to fast, which means you have to have mm-hmm. a fast. Now, you may just think it's faster than slow and it's not really fast. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It means the same thing. It's like when they come mm-hmm. up and tell me, you know, my name is blank and I suck at running. And then I immediately say to them, like, I believe you. And they're mm-hmm. like, whoa, <laughs> I thought you were going to say right. something different. And I'm like, well, right, why? Right. this has to be based on trust. If you tell me you suck, I believe you. Now, granted, mm-hmm. It doesn't change my job. Mm-hmm. You just need to leave here better. Mm-hmm. You will equate that with sucking less, but sucking less just means better. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I think you're going to change the way you see things and you're going to realize it's a much more positive way of looking at what we're doing is you're getting better every time as opposed to sucking less, but it doesn't change my job. And it's mm-hmm. I, can, I can be abrasive isn't the right word. I just get to be very honest. Mm-hmm. And we lack honesty in most of our conversations these days. So it's, it's mm-hmm. the, I, I get to cut through some crap, which is, it really helps, I think, with adults because it's rare that they get to have mm-hmm. a real honest conversation with somebody who's like, I'm just, I, I, I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you what you need to hear. And yeah. sometimes it works together and they're both, but sometimes they're not. And people come back because it's, I, it, it also means I can't lie though. Right. Because then, anything I say is suspect. So it, it's, uh, you know, it's not always easy, but it's, it's the right thing is always the right thing to do, whether it's easy or not. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think too, one, one thing, at least in my experience that I don't think individuals who are runners give themselves enough credit for is the actual act of, of running. And like, to me, when someone comes in and they're like, Oh, like I ran, you know, four and a half hours or five and a half hours for the marathon. I'm, I'm not here to judge that. I'm here to welcome that with open arms. And to me, like that is badass and that is tough as hell. Cause I don't know about you, but like, I don't want to be out there for five hours. 
You know what I mean? Well, I like, I don't, I like, could, I, yeah, like, I would five hours. I mean, that's yeah. the thing that people, like, that's, when I said that line earlier, measure success as many ways as you can, it's, we, we do ourselves such a grave disservice when we limit what we consider a success. Like, mm-hmm. covering 26.2 miles, we're talking about the marathon, covering 26.2 mm-hmm. miles in two hours and 55 minutes is insane. It's crazy. It's mm-hmm. wild. Like, that's, that's nuts. But I'll tell you what. I would imagine that the overwhelming majority of people who can run two hours and 55 minutes in the marathon mm-hmm. couldn't run for five hours in a row. Right. They couldn't do it. They would just be broken. They would stop multiple yeah. times. Mm-hmm. They, would, they, they, just would, they just don't have the capacity to run for that duration. Mm-hmm. And yet, people who run for that duration are so likely to diminish mm-hmm. how badass it is mm-hmm. to be able to power your body and do little jumps little bits of flight for five hours in a row are you crazy that's (laughs) nuts that is crazy and i think one of the cool things is when you're you know we were saying earlier like if you haven't been a part of cross country it's hard to understand how great it is a lot of people missed out on taking part in cross country or track and field Mm -hmm. as a as as a you know younger person or a young adult or and and obviously most of them are not have never coached they don't understand when you, when you're coaching, I get asked sometimes like, oh, what was the greatest, you know, performance by one of your athletes or this, that, and the other. It's never mm-hmm. the fastest time. And mm-hmm. because usually coaches, I mean, you've coached, mm-hmm. it's measured on like who got closest to their absolute potential. Mm-hmm. And that has nothing to do with the time on the clock as a set standard. It's the time on the clock for that individual. Right. So... I have kids whose names pop into my head and I'm and they're I don't know what number they are all time, but mm-hmm. they're not in the top twenty or thirty times, mm-hmm. but in performances, mm-hmm. they're number one, two, or three. Because mm-hmm. and, and that's like I always say, you know, if you look at somebody like Matt Centrowitz, mm-hmm. okay, who's run three fifty for the mile. Mm-hmm. All right. Um if Matt Centrowitz had run three fifty nine for the mile, mm-hmm. people would be like that's incredible. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You're a sub for me. You're right. But if he was, if his potential is 350, mm-hmm. then 359 in the mile to me is nowhere near as impressive mm-hmm. to Sally, who runs 556 in the 1600, mm-hmm. whose potential before that race was like, if she runs perfect at 605. Right, like right, the right. training, yep. what she's put in, like it's she started out as an eight forty six girl. Mm-hmm. The fact mm-hmm. that we're even talking about six minutes is nuts. And then she runs five fifty six. To me, five fifty six is way more impressive than a three fifty nine. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, yeah. you should be running three fifty. Like, that's mm-hmm. I, it, it, the clock only tells you how much time transpired as you covered a distance. It doesn't tell you how impressive what happened mm-hmm. was. You need mm-hmm. context. So, to me, the five fifty six mile is way more impressive than the 359 mile. And I think mm-hmm. if you if that was part of the reasons why I was like I'll take this job cuz mm-hmm. if I can get someone out there who sees the clock about to turn over to 6 hours and they're running down the last straightaway with legs full of battery acid, right, you right. know, and 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 their soul is on fire, like to me I'm like if if they can cross the line and realize what they accomplished as opposed to well it's not 255 right then we're also 
creating people who love the sport and could be fans of the sport and will mm -hmm. celebrate the 255 and the 202 and and I thought it it all works together they'll be in the mm -hmm. they'll be in the crowd at the Milrose games you know like right. like that's what that was the the ultimate goal cuz I think it all kind of feeds off each other if it's done the right way yeah which is it's always not to go off like on a total side tangent um but I'm I feel like it's side always tangents. side tangent <laughs> yeah um it's always an interesting conversation when you talk about like the popularity of track and field, right? I think, you know, over the last couple of years, it's definitely been on the uptick from a, you know, I think largely in part of, you know, social media. Um, I think one of the cool things, at least this summer, um, I don't know if it was in prior years too, but with like Peacock's ability to stream like Diamond League and everything like that, I think that was huge. Mm -hmm. um, but it's always interesting because you have this, this participatory uh, component to the sport, which couldn't be any bigger, but then from like the viewership and spectatorship of track and field, it's always like, how do we do this better? How do we do that better? It's like never like the two aren't matching. Right. But I guess it's just the unique part to the sport where, you know, I mean like, yeah, we could go play like beer league softball or beer league baseball, but that's not as big as, you know, running is, um, no, but versus you, but like, the, but you know, the baseball point is, is or things like that you you understand that you're playing a sport that has a highest uh, mm -hmm. level in terms of uh, performance metrics, okay? Mm -hmm. So like if you're playing beer league softball, there's a part of you that's thinking, I'm, uh, you know, I'm Babe Ruth, you know? Right, right, right. Like, I'm doing the same thing, you mm -hmm. know? Or if you're playing basketball, I mean, I was just watching Iowa play the other day. Like, you know, I'm Caitlin Clark, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there's... There is that component to it. We just as a sport have done an absolutely horrendous job mm -hmm. making sure that the people that are participating know that they are a part of and not apart from what's mm -hmm. happening on the track and on the trails mm -hmm. and at the front of this road race that they're a part of. It's mm -hmm. that thing that we're talking about, that athlete coming in and saying like, I only run six hours as opposed to saying, if I'm trying my best, I'm experiencing what Kipchoge's experiencing. Mm -hmm. Like you are. Like if mm -hmm. it's you, you, you absolutely are. It's a, it's mm -hmm. at a different pace, but it feels mm -hmm. the same way. Like if you at your best is five fifty five for the marathon, mm -hmm. then you're going to experience pretty much exactly what Kipchoge's experiencing. The doubts. Mm -hmm. Am I going to go with this move? Can I hang on? Um, I got to control my breathing. My form's breaking down. I don't think I can do this. Why the F did I sign up for Like, <laughs> this is, I know he's like, everyone thinks he's like Yoda, but yeah, mm -hmm. well, Yoda deals with doubts as well and sure. suffers and has to have breakthroughs and breakdowns and stumbles and falls and pick themselves back up. You're going through the same shit. It's mm -hmm. just the reality. We just have done a terrible job doing that and making it fun and exciting. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's like, it's... I mean, most broadcasts are just really boring. I'll tell you what, mm -hmm. not to go down another exit here, but <laughs> I think uh, the NCAA cross-country meet, that, that coverage mm -hmm. is the best coverage of, of anything we do. And yep. I think the commentators mm -hmm. are great. I think mm -hmm. um, Merber and Tolson do a great job. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the way that they show it, the stats they show on the side, it's... I, the live they, I think updates they, and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they could do even more. I think they've got kind of the answer. Like, you get drones. Mm -hmm. I think once they figure out how to show um, stuff happening in the pack, 
mm-hmm. and the movement mm-hmm. in the pack and the slight mm-hmm. like team things because they've got the numbers there and it kind of gives you the idea of what a coach is looking at, which is we know we're in fifth at one k and we moved up to third by by you know two k and you know that's good and this team's moving backwards this team's coming you know screaming from the back and like Mm -hmm. all of these different things and how important each individual athlete is like that's exciting and tense Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. the fun part about the cross-country coverages i was tense the entire time right well especially the last two years with how close some of those races were i mean yeah but last year we saw it was a tiebreaker on the men's side had to be put into place and then totally this past year i think the women's was one point, right? Yes. Uh, between NC State and NAU. Yeah. So, so like, you've got that, that tension crazy. that's there. Yeah. But there's yeah. also other things. So like on the track, I remember um, I'm friends with this guy, Rob Vermillion, who does some of the announcing at uh, mm-hmm. Hayward Field. And we were having a conversation like, I don't know, like a year ago about uh, announcing. And I said, you know, there's every single race at Hayward Field. Mm-hmm. especially when you get to like the elite level stuff, like the Prefontaine classic. And I said, mm-hmm. it, you know, you have, it seems like almost every race, it's like, is this race going to be a world record, you know, mm-hmm. or a meet record? I said, that's exciting, but most of them aren't world records and most aren't meet mm-hmm. records. I say, but sixth, seventh and 12th place were national records for mm-hmm. Ecuador, Guatemala and Algeria. Like, mm-hmm. why are we not announcing that? You know, mm-hmm. why aren't we announcing at you know, the Oregon state championships that, mm-hmm. um, the first three girls in the five, a three K are the fifth, seventh and eighth fastest times in Oregon history. Like, mm-hmm. because the crowd just wants to cheer for anything. Right. Like yeah. they, they are there, yeah. they're excited. They want to know they saw greatness. Like we're ready. Like give me something mm-hmm. to cheer and I will cheer. Like it's hard to find a more positive, um, supportive group of people and people mm-hmm. that I track or cross country meet. Like you tell me I just saw something great. Mm-hmm. I will cheer. I will stand up and I will salute these people. Like mm-hmm. just, but let me know. Don't tell me right. afterwards. Like give me something. And what happens is there becomes this kind of excitement. I'll tell you what, one of the best 30 minutes of track and field I've ever been to was at the Valentine Invitational last year mm-hmm. where I think the first 11 heats or 10 heats of the men's mile, somebody broke four minutes. And yeah. the announcer, who was the assistant coach at American, went up there and was completely out of control. And I mean that in the best mm-hmm. possible way. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You, no one left mm-hmm. the place. It was jammed. And we got to like the seventh heat. And he's like, can, can we get anyone to break four minutes? We've already broken the record for most four minutes ever in a meet. And then they'd go through 800 and he'd say, 158.2. And the place would go crazy. <laughs> this is the seventh heat of the mile. Yep. I've yeah. lost my voice. I'm completely out of control. And that, I was like, this is, if you could get someone who just left mm-hmm. the Celtics game, who sat for 75% of it, you know, right, right. And, and cheered for 30% of it, to come in here and watch this 30 minutes. And mm-hmm. if you think like, well, you can recreate this for the women's. Mm-hmm. How many women can we get under 445 at a meet? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the record for a college mm-hmm. invitation? Or how many have been under 445? Mm-hmm. Is it 22? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Bring that mm-hmm. up and the crowd would be like, okay, the number's 22. I- right, I'm in. Let's go get it. Right, let's we just go get got, it. Yeah. We just got all 16 women in heat one under. Like, oh my gosh. Right. Like, And then you, and the thing was, was like in the fifth heat, the division mm-hmm. three record was mm-hmm. set and some other kids set the Boston College uh, school record and all of mm-hmm. these things are coming in. I thought, 
this is amazing. And this is why mm-hmm. when we did the Twilight Miles, at uh, when I, mm-hmm. Tammy and I, back in the day, we would break everything up by heats. So we would start mm-hmm. out with an untimed heat, you know, mm-hmm. and everyone in the untimed heat would tell us what their PB was. Most of them had never run a mile before. So everyone set a personal best. Crowd's all excited. Mm-hmm. Next up is the sub-12 race. And we're, we're cheering everyone on to see if we can get under 12. And we've got rabbits taking you through it like 1120 and 1140. There's two different rabbits. But the point is we're announcing like, everyone's under 12 minutes you know and but mm-hmm. the frenzy sure I, yeah. like if i told you how out of control people were getting to watch an 1148 mile right, right. it's because of the context <laughs> sure it's because yeah. you know frank mm-hmm. has a 12 11 pb mm-hmm. and he wants to break 12 and he right. just ran 1148 and right yeah hell yeah i'm in so right. i think we do a we do a disservice to ourselves by not celebrating more but Man, yeah. we just went off on a rant. It's all good. It's all that's all what right. podcasts are, right? I guess you know. So that's what we're cheers to us. What we're doing. So cheers to us here. I got the uh, just the water, but a um, couple more, couple more talking points before okay. we let you go because I, I know you got the uh, the Knicks game on uh, on hold on DVR for you. It's gonna be a tough one, Timberwolves. Um, all right. Oh geez. Um, so. Us being a, a running shop, I think you and I had actually conversed a little bit about this uh, when we were out at campus for yep. um, for the little summit, uh, the RSG summit last summer. Um, but you were a great moderator there uh, for a couple of the different um, events and talks. Um, but from like a running industry perspective, you know, I always I always like to get people's like memories of first being in a running store and like what that meant to you it was massive i mean i remember my first yeah. time getting a pair of running specific shoes it was the the pegasus and mm-hmm. i was running as it would have been fourth grade at saint leo's and i mm-hmm. went in and it was um the running store uh in shrewsbury mm-hmm. which um tim i remember McLoon's old store. tim McLoon's old store and mm-hmm. i remember they had a like fake rubber like painted track mm-hmm. as the floor. So I mm-hmm. went in and you see to me it was going back to you know when I was talking about first starting and being uh, you know in, on like youth cross country and stuff and how the coaches legitimized it and it was on TV you know like going to a store mm-hmm. that had jerseys up on the wall and had pictures of runners up on the wall and had only running gear like mm-hmm. As a ten-year-old, it it made me realize just how big and magical this sport was. Mm-hmm. It was so. It was such a big deal. And I'll tell you what: for the entirety of my life after that, mm-hmm. and when I bought a pair of shoes at a store, it was always a running specialty store mm-hmm. because I wanted that. I wanted mm-hmm. like the accidental conversations you kind of have when the person there oh, yeah. asks like, are you, are, do you run? Yes. What team do you run for? <laughs> I run for St. Leo's. Are you doing cross country? Yeah. How long is it? It's a mile and a half. Oh, how's the team going to be? And it, it matters that mm-hmm. somebody asked you a question about what you're doing, that somebody mm-hmm. cared and that somebody also was going to not say like, yeah, these are the running shoes. You know, they all work. They set in the other. Like it just, there was something about being around. And again, I think the word nerd is like the ultimate compliment. Being around mm-hmm. a bunch of runners that mm-hmm. gave a crap, understood, knew what you were going through, and 
if you were lucky enough to go back mm-hmm. and someone remembered you, mm-hmm. it's hard to put into words how important that was. And Jeff Johnson, mm-hmm. again, who was one of my coaches, um, but mm-hmm. he ran the first Nike store, mm-hmm. Blue Ribbon Sports Blue, in Blue Santa Ribbon Monica. Mm-hmm. And his his ingredients are the same ingredients that we need today. Basically, it was just like know your customers, serve them. And he would – like Nike's entire thing, I think, started with what he did in that store, which was he had a whole bunch of index cards. So when you came in, he'd ask Craig how <laughs> Craig was doing. Uh, Craig wants to you know, win the all groups in the two-mile. Okay, this, that, and the other. So when you left, boom, he knew what you bought. He knew what your goals mm-hmm. were. So when he came back, he'd say, like, okay, like, are we under 920 yet? Or if he saw right, you right. in the paper breaking 920, he's like, hey, I saw you ran 914. When you're coming in, mm-hmm. that's – that's, a, that's amazing. I mean, yeah, it's special. So, yeah, you feel yeah. special. And I think the, the best way of looking at a running store to me is is very few places like it. Not, most sports do not have it. In fact, the only sports mm-hmm. I think that can even come close to a great running store would be a skate shop or a surf shop. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. it. Like, it's yep. a part of the community. There's a vibe. Mm-hmm. And you feel a part of something very special when you're in it. So, yeah, I yeah. I remember it completely, man. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's funny you bring up like surf and skate. Cause I feel like when, when we were out there and we were conversing with a lot of the, uh, you know, Nike employees and things like that, like they were kind of looking at running through like a, like a skate lens too. You know, if like, if the specialty running shop can authenticate product as good product that we like and things like that, then that really puts a stamp of approval on it. And that's kind of similar with, with what's gone on in with skateboarding, you know? Oh, totally. I mean that, and that's why it's, I mean, but that also goes back to like trust, like, because Mm -hmm. if the running store is going to be like a skate shop or a surf shop, Mm -hmm. they also can't lie to the, to the, to the customers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They can't be full of crap. Mm -hmm. Like I can't imagine anything that would kill a skate shop or a surf shop more than being like a poser. You know, than being mm-hmm. like unauthentic, right. illegitimate, you know, being a liar, being an interloper, like you mm-hmm. don't belong, you're faking it. Like you, you just, you cannot do that. And that was, right. again, I think part of why it was so special to go to a place like this because you knew it was people who knew the sport, loved the sport, and wanted you to be a part of the sport. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's, there's few places no, where definitely. you walk in and people are like, oh, we want you on the starting line. Oh baby, yeah. Like right, we right, want right. you. Like you've never run before. Yeah. Even better. Like right. this is going to be a great well, that's world. The best. That's the best person to deal with. Yeah, that's yeah. the best person to have an interaction with. You know. Um. All right. So I got little lightning round questions, but before we do that, I have okay. one more topic um, okay. that I'm interested to get your feedback on because I know you're a his like a, a historian of the sport. Okay. And, you know, your experiences, obviously, between running at CBA, UNC, farm team, and then ultimately, you know, being, you know, Nike uh, global head coach, like, has has presented you the opportunity to, to rub elbows with some of the uh, elite in our world. Is there an individual that, or a group of individuals that you were just couldn't, that you fanboyed over that you couldn't uh imagine ever meeting or getting a chance to to converse with yeah they're all people from when i was a kid 
So like anyone yeah. I've met as an adult that I kind of uh, came, they came to my attention as I was an adult or even, you know, college mm-hmm. or after, um, it wasn't the same. So when, I, when I've met, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Joan Benoit Samuelson for the first time, I met her for the first time mm-hmm. at NXN back in like 2012 or something like that. She was coming down the, the stairs uh, on Nike's campus and I was there with the team and um, yeah, I kind of freaked out about that because I also had like a crush on her when I was like eight years old. So right. when she was winning the Olympic marathon. Um, yeah. So yeah, I kind of, that was, that was a big deal because, you know, I, I think I'll, where I was fanboying, it was usually people who um, at a certain age, they were more than just athletes to me. They mm-hmm. were kind of, um, you know, possibilities and potential, and they were larger than life. They weren't just athletes. You know, I, I remember watching her do the victory lap in the Coliseum mm-hmm. in front of 100,000 people with an American flag, and I was mm-hmm. eight, you know? So uh, that was, like, mm-hmm. one of my first, like, complete rock stars. Carl Lewis mm-hmm. was the same way. I met Carl Lewis uh, for the first time, like, two years ago, and mm. um, I remember being in the backyard uh, running around because he had just won the long jump. And I remember going, uh, running down the street, <laughs> like yelling. And I remember the, our neighbor uh, was a girl who was a couple years older than me. And it was until years later that I, I realized like, oh, she was screwing with me. I was like, he just long jumped <laughs> 27 feet or something like that. She was like, you mean 27 inches? I was like, no, 27 feet. And she was like... <laughs> 27 inches and i was like it was you know i was just too young to realize that this 13 year old girl was like i'm just gonna mess with this kid off (laughs) and then seb co who um was like Mm. that too so i mean those were kind of the athletes that were all around the time when i was first discovering the sport so they Mm -hmm. represented the sport Mm -hmm. and i've met most of the top runners now and they're you know across the board i mean i've had really good uh, meetings with all these people they're really cool people um i but they're they're the best in the sport now so i, I respect them i respect mm-hmm. them what they've done and but they're not the sport for me and i think you get a few of them when you're younger or when you're first introduced to the sport and it's similar to like when you think back to those special bands or singers that you kind of that got you through high school um they just hit differently you know because they I think they pulled more weight than than some other people, whether they realize it or not. I'm sure there are people that, you know, were 40 or 50 when Sebco was at his best, and he's different to them than he is mm-hmm. to me, you know? So I'm looking at him mm-hmm. still through the lens of, of eight-year-old eyes as opposed to the age that I am now. So, um, well, that, yeah, that, that's, uh, I, it's mostly it kids. brings up brings up a question uh for me though like when you were eight would you ever imagine that you were going to be in a pegasus commercial with joni <laughs> uh <Right>? no <laughs> no probably probably not dressed up no. in green and yellow track suits yeah that, and i'll tell you what that was the most comfortable <laughs> track suit that they brought that out i'm like i don't know about this I and then i put it on one. i was like oh this is really comfortable <laughs> right. I mean, if we're going for kind of weirdo then we've got it but i'm a comfortable weirdo it was so comfortable i was still i I complimented it so many times i thought there was a small chance we're gonna say why don't you just take it with you and 
No. No? There was didn't no, offer no, it? There was no offer. No, that's a bummer. Are they going to put it, it was, in a museum somewhere? I know the whole campus is like a museum. Are they going to yeah, hang it up? or Probably in a box somewhere, you know, <laughs> but it's definitely not in my room. So, oh, no, I never, I never thought that. Um, that was too funny. Yeah. Um, all right. A couple quick, quick lightning round questions before right. we let you get to your knickerbockers. Um, all right. So you obviously move from East Coast, West Coast. You have ties at both running on either coast, East or West? Uh, East Coast. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's, there's, um, the Northern California is insane. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's really good. It's the hometown vibes mm. of the East Coast. Um, mm-hmm. But I gotta give a shout out to the 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 North Northern California trails are. Right. <laughs> I mean, just truly remarkable. Um, but yeah, there's something there's something about having you know that anytime I go for a run. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little excitement that I might pass somebody that I know. Sure. And that's, that's, that's a really cool feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite running shoe of all time. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm sentimental to the Pegasus. That's what I've sure. worn more than any other, but, um, I remember, uh, there were a, a shoe called the Myler, which was, mm-hmm. It existed for a very short amount of time that I really mm-hmm. liked. And then I know it's not a trainer, mm-hmm. but I was lucky enough to run when the Jasaris were mm-hmm. a pair of spikes mm-hmm. that you could run in. And yes, sir. I don't think there's ever been a pair of spikes that had as much excitement oh, and badassery associated with it mm-hmm. than the red on one side, vault on the other side. Yep spikes are a part of the plate just sorry's so it's so it's so funny that you bring that up because the they released last outdoors they released a rival d in a split colorway like the mm-hmm. whole just sorry yeah and then now they uh next week or so they're releasing vapors in the split colorway and yeah, like when the rivals i know when the rivals came in like last year um we were so geeked out. We were like, oh my God, like these are so sick. And like trying to explain it to kids though, like at like 15, where they, they had no idea about like the reference of the colorway to that stuff. But it was, yeah, no, those are hold a special place. Yeah, I used to, I used to talk about the Jasaris when I was co- coaching CBA and I, I built them up to such a point that, you know, they were, kids were begging yeah. to wear them. And sure. I made a deal. I said, fine. I'm like, you you can wear them. You can race in them, but you have to guarantee a personal best. Right. And which is a lot to ask, you know, because yeah. they don't, personal best don't happen very often. But um, right. it actually, I think they were worn like something like maybe like six or seven times by different kids. And I think they, <laughs> they were personal best every single time. Hey, that's so, good. Bad yeah. 100, bad 1,000, yeah. I should say. There you go. Um, I guess that answers my next question. Favorite spike of all time. So there, there we go. There you go. Um, mile or 1,500? Uh, I, I can't even believe I'm pausing on this. Um, the mile, the mile mm. just, I think means more, but it's funny how outside of the U S cause when I'm writing like guided runs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it's, you know, the audience is, is global. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's a good reminder to not be so, um, such of a homeboy 
and mm-hmm. realize like you know what outside of the United States nobody nobody Jesus thinks that. in miles yeah. at all yeah. <laughs> at all um yeah. but at the same time the mile uh, I, yeah I just I think the mile it took me a little bit of time Oregon at the high school level runs the 1500 and the 3k hmm. so okay. more than anything like not racing in college not racing for the Nike farm team it's been having kids race high school in Oregon that mm. has has kind of skewed in my head mm-hmm. the importance and the magic of the 1500 because I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it all the time now mm-hmm. in in the spring for years and years and years I got three kids mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's um that's actually done more damage to my love of the mile than anything right. else so the 1500 is made inroads because of Oregon high school right um all right favorite race to watch of all time um you mean that that like each year like much my, my or the, what's Just my like favorite race like your ever overall to, professional race to watch yeah um, like not like a repetitive but like from a performance perspective you know if it's Joni's oh, marathon or you know man there's a lot of good ones i mean it's it's funny cuz a lot of times it's not so much um really fast sometimes it's just either how gutsy or confident mm-hmm. or courageous some people were mm-hmm. um now there's a couple that stand out i mean I mean, I have to mention, it's not even like it was that crazy of a race, but it was just a crazy moment. In the 83 World Championship 5K, Eamon Coughlin comes off the final corner and gets mm-hmm. goes right onto the outside of the Russian in the lead mm-hmm. and starts going like this to the crowd. Right. <laughs> and the crowd just starts going crazy, and it's because he knows, I'm about to drill this dude. <laughs> and then just, I mean, like, it's obnoxious. Yeah, it just drops the hammer. But you got to remember, I'm a child of the Cold War. So, sure. you know, yeah. beating the Russians is beating the Russians. You know what right. I mean? And that's a Villanova was, guy right there, too. Yeah, that's right. So, mm-hmm. you know, the great Irishman, Amy Collins, who's another guy I met that, like, freaked me out. Yeah. I grew up worshiping him, too. Yeah. Um, and Marcus O'Sullivan, who you mentioned mm-hmm. as a coach of yours, also mm-hmm. one of the nicest gentlemen on the planet. Yes. Um, yep. But, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, uh, Joni taking the lead, if people have never watched that uh it's worth looking into it because you know she takes the lead uh about 5k into the marathon mm-hmm. and this is you know most and mo- everyone let her go all the women let her go because she had gotten arthroscopic surgery on her knee mm. two months earlier and everyone's like she's not going to be able to do this and she was all alone out there mm-hmm. in the city of angels and and the cool thing is is if you've heard her talk about it she says she, she, they had no idea if anyone was going to show up in the Coliseum. It was the women's mm-hmm. first marathon in the Olympics. Yeah. It's like, we didn't know. Like we thought, Some people thought it was stupid to end it in the Coliseum because it would be embarrassing if there were like mm. 15,000 people there. It holds 100,000 people. But, um, you know, she there's, there's video where you can see her getting close to the Coliseum and you can see the Coliseum in the background mm-hmm. and you can see people standing because there were no seats so mm. they're at the top of the Coliseum. There's no seats. And she always says, oh, this is so poetic and beautiful. She <laughs> she has this, you know, she, the crowds are coming out now in L.A. And they're cheering around because it's on TV and more people are coming out to the roads. And before she gets into the Coliseum, there's a tunnel she has to go through, this downhill mm-hmm. tunnel. And she, she gets in there and it's completely dark and totally quiet. So she has this moment where she's alone. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe 30 seconds. And she asked herself, like, do you have what it takes to carry this torch that they're going to give you mm. for, for, for winning the first marathon? 
for being the the winner of the first women's Olympic marathon, which they had to mm-hmm. battle mm-hmm. to get. And she decides, yes, mm-hmm. I have the strength to do it. And she's in this darkness. And then there's this shot of her coming out of the tunnel into this unbelievable light. It's mm-hmm. sunshine, a hundred thousand people, and she does, and the crowd just goes crazy. Now, being a dork, I'm going to tell <laughs> right. you why this is was such a big part in why I think I I run and I love the sport. So she wins. It's epic. Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. She does a victory lap. They give her um, a flag, uh, which is uh, attached to a broomstick, and she she does her lap around, um, you know, her victory lap. And the place is going crazy. Mm-hmm. So like 10, 20 minutes later, fifteen minutes later, maybe. Um, another runner comes in mm-hmm. and this runner is going through something very, very different. She's experiencing mm-hmm. the onset of heat stroke and she takes five minutes to do her last lap. Cause you mm-hmm. come in and you have to do basically 500 meters. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is the first women's marathon at this point. There still is not a women's 5k. Mm-hmm. There's not a women's 10k that doesn't come till 92. Um, and this stems from the fact that when they first brought the 800 in back in, I think it was like the 24 Olympics, maybe 28, mm-hmm. they brought the eight in. That was now the longest women's event. Distance. And the first like six or seven runners in, in, in the eight final break the world record. Mm-hmm. But all of them are sprawled out on the ground. The eight is a brutal event, as oh, we yeah. all know. Yeah. Especially yeah. a well run 800. It's the right. longest sprint, you know? Right. And. It's like a sight bike. If you remember the old Nintendo, oh, yeah. you're constantly yeah. hearing, and you're about to overheat at all it's moments. Always on the, the, the cusp of that red yes, lining. Yes, you're yeah. on that red line. So they're on the ground, and the sports writers at the time, which were all male, just lambasted it, said it was mm. disgusting. You know, These women were putting their ability to have children in danger. It was unladylike. So the eight ceased to be an event, mm. and it wasn't until, I think, 76 that the 15... Mm. eventually became an event. So how the crowd is going to react to this moment mm-hmm. when Gabriel Anderson Scheiss is going to cross the line is important. Mm. And she is wobbling, and there's great footage of it. And she's like going back and forth, and you can see the doctors coming up to her, and if they touch her, she's disqualified. Mm-hmm. So she wobbles down this last straightaway. The second she crosses the line, she collapses into the arms of the doctors, and the mm-hmm. crowd roars <laughs> and it's it's one of those moments where you're like mm-hmm. okay something changed mm-hmm. you know not enough has changed but something has changed so it was just a mm-hmm. from a from a history dork's perspective it's it's mm-hmm. one of those things where there's a lot that just happened and mm-hmm. then from a fan of sport it's one of those moments where you're like oh this is this is why we come back to the starting line you know and this right. is why we cheer you know mm-hmm. so anyway Wow, that was a yeah. long answer. Sorry. I got chills. No, I got chills over here. <laughs> um, all right, so one last question that we ask all of our guests okay. um, on our old podcast and now on the new iteration of it is if you got the opportunity to name a running shoe after yourself, what would it be and why? Oh, geez, that's... That's take a some great thought. question. It takes some thought. Um, well, I know it wouldn't be a spike. Right. It wouldn't be a racing flat. I know that. <laughs> because I think I think those uh, you, you can't do either of those things as best as you can unless you have done the requisite work and a trainer. So it would definitely be a trainer. Sure. I know mm-hmm. that. 
I know that wasn't the question, but just want everyone no, no, to no. know. Yeah. Oh, we're forming um, the whole shoe. We're, this is product management, product development. Yeah. I, that's a great question. I, th- I mean, it would probably be something like, um, man, how about the epiphany? Mm. How about that? Cause I think it's, it's, there's a chance I think one of the best parts about every run is you have an opportunity to surprise yourself in some way. Hmm. And there are very few things I think in life that if you do repeatedly, you always have a chance to surprise yourself. But I think a run is, is one of those things like, wow, I didn't know I was going to handle it that well, or I didn't know I was going to push today, or Hmm. I didn't think I was going to feel as good as I did, or, Oh my God, that felt awful. I think you, you, there's always a surprise with a run, um, and a chance to learn something about yourself. So, yeah, maybe maybe the epiphany. It also sounds like a very cheap kind of perfume, so I'm not sure if, <laughs> if you know, like a really gross cologne that um, we'll have to we'll have to give that to marketing, the marketing department. Yeah, yeah. yeah the <laughs> epiphany may be a little bit too close. They're like, it sounds like you know something a a, a ninth grader who's you know polo pegging, sport or pegging something. his yeah. jeans would would right. put on you know before the dance. So maybe oh my gosh, but that's the first one that comes to mind. Comes to mind. You know? Nice, yeah. I love it. So. All right. Uh, so, Coach Bennett, thank you so much, you know, for giving up a bit of your time today on New Year's Day of all days. So, um, yeah, really appreciate you spending time with us and uh, sharing your stories and knowledge with uh, the Runnerside family. And you were actually the first guest uh, of the What's Inside the Box uh, podcast. So, um, all right, there's some honor in that, I guess. Yes, um, it only but, gets better from here. No, is, no, no, is, no. Is also the <laughs> We have, this is why you're like, we're going to set the standard real low. No, no, no. And then this it's is, just going to get better and better. It's only going to go downhill from here. You man. know? Um, no, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, again, you're, we're proud of you here in Jersey, you know? Um, and again, it's so uh, honored to host a, a champion for the sport like yourself. So um, thank you again. Uh, before we let you go, is there anything you know that uh you want the people to know or that you want to say i'll i'll do the all all the handles and everything after you know once we sign off but uh but yeah yeah i would say um to make sure that you're supporting uh your running specialty store i i think it's 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 the front line for the sport mm. um and i think um who you're really supporting are, are the people that are out there trying to share the sport and the only way that we can save this sport and i think not that the sport's dying but i think you have to look at the things that matter to you as constantly in need of saving and support mm-hmm. so if you really want to save the sport and i mean that um and if you really want to share the sport with people who don't know it exists or don't know it could exist for them um then the best places to go would be a running specialty store and mm-hmm track meets in your area which mm-hmm. more often than not are supported by your running specialty stores sure. so um yeah to me i i think that's absolutely the best thing you can do not to mention mm-hmm. the fact that um i also don't think people realize that uh the sport is not supposed to be hard all the time mm-hmm. and if you want to find a lot of things that will help make the sport i'm not going to say easy but easier Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the answers are going to be in, in a running specialty store. You're not going to get access to um, that kind of wisdom 
um, anywhere else unless you're mm-hmm. on a team and you have access to a bunch of good coaches. Mm-hmm. So if, if you want to find, I think, a great place to support the sport, share the sport, save the sport, yeah, then you got you got to go to your running specialty store. And by the way, um, <laughs> yeah, I've never set foot in your store. So I'm just saying you gotta, when we you have gotta, to remedy this. We do, we do. Um, maybe next time you're uh, uh, on the East Coast, maybe for uh, absolutely uh, one, of, one of Jack's races, right? Um, Jack or Maggie, uh, both, Jack, both okay. running now on the East Coast, and then okay. um, yeah, and then there's always a longer trip in the summer too. So okay, yeah, no, up. we can make it happen. Put on you a whole event and everything. So there we go. Group <laughs> run, group you know. run, Q and A. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. We can have some. Some stuff afterwards, bend right. an elbow, whatever, <laughs> right. whatever you want to imbibe in can be right. there. Adult Coffee, sodas. water, adult sodas. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for that. I, I appreciate the, uh, the sentiment it. when it comes to run specialties. So we, uh, we're fighting hard out there. So awesome. Um, but yeah, thanks so much again. And we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon. Cheers. Alrighty guys. So what a great opportunity that was to spend some time with coach Bennett global head coach for Nike running. You can find him on Instagram and threads at coach Bennett and on X at Bennett run or on the Nike run club app where he leads hundreds of thousands of athletes through guided runs and training programs. Definitely catch his weekly podcast, coach Bennett's podcast, where he discusses all things related to running along with two coach Bennett's talking podcasts both available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Before we sign off, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with friends and family, and let's keep the momentum going. Until next time, this has been another episode of What's Inside the Box, presented by Runner's High. Thanks, y'all, and we'll catch up with you next week.